0: Hello everyone and thank you for listening to the Ascend with Alexis podcast where we are helping you to transform your lack to abundance and on this episode we have a very special guest here we have Sandy Hernandez Um, man if I can describe Sandy I would say she brings me so much like calm and peace and I said this to her before Um, I don't know what it is about her aura or her energy, but when I'm in her presence or when I'm speaking with her, it's just very calming to me. Um, But I want Sandy to go ahead and also um, just introduce yourself, you know, um, who you are, um, what do you do, and what has your spiritual journey been like?
1: Sweet. Um, uh, First of all, thank you for um, having me on Alexis, I think I'd also like to describe Alexis from my point of view because everyone's point of view is different. And I would say um, when I'm around Alexis, the, what, the, what I feel and what the energy that she brings to me is inspiration. Like I, I think I, I watch Alexis go through I've watched Alexis go through life and kind of known her in different chapters I feel like. But every time she's she is just out there like grinding in a way that is just so authentic um and so that's that's what how I that's what I have to say about Alexis but yeah um, Thank you. of course yeah um so what do I do I in terms of what work I feel like I'm not going to get into that as much today, but what do I do in life? Um, My purpose is honestly just, it's funny because Alexis just did my human design. I am so addicted. And it it was stuff I had already had downloads about, but I sometimes fight because sometimes I'm like, it just can't be that easy. But if I had to say what I do in life is I, I really do seek truth. I seek truth in why people do things, why people think the way they do, why society has tried to tell us to live a certain way. Um mm-hmm. and anytime I can't find a logical answer, I need to I, I don't stop. And I think that is what set me down my healing journey because um mm-hmm. when uh well, you know when you're when you're told that like oh you probably have adhd it's just probably because of this this and that just stop just take this med and it'll fix it or you know you're just traumatized just take this antidepressant it'll be fine it mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense because it's like on on what rationale have they built this i don't know medical system and societal system i think it just comes back down to money making money off of us but also controlling mm-hmm. us um, and so that's that's my opinion. But the, the more they can control, the more they uh have power. So that's that's what I do. I'll yeah, say I'm a so. truth seeker.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I kind of talk about that subject a lot. Like it's crazy how they just like monetize everything and a lot of the stuff that we actually need, like we don't have to really pay for. Um like even with school you know we're taught that we have to go and sit at the desk and this is the right way you're supposed to do stuff and a lot of you know even a lot of kids they're geniuses and they don't know it because society has told them that they're supposed to sit down this way or think this way and because they don't do it that way um they kind their gifts kind of get buried um so i'm glad you brought that up um and just a little bit of background, I meant to mention this before, but me and Sandy connected in college. So we were both accounting majors um at Northern Illinois. And I don't rem I don't know if you remember the actual first time we met. I don't really remember, but I no. just know like every time I, s- I saw Sandy, like it was always like refreshing. Like I said, I don't know why but it was just always refreshing. You know, we would see each other passing the hallway, always strike up a conversation. Um, And it was never like, um, it was never like a conversation where it was like short talk. It was also very meaningful, but in a very short, you know, like short period of time. Yeah. And so I'm glad that, you know, how, how, how long has it been? Like five, five years since five years. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, but it's, five years since college and here we are on our spiritual journeys together. Um, so I know you talked about this a little bit, but, um, you know, we met maybe like a month ago and Mm -hmm. you mentioned that, um, you know, you were glad to see me on my own spiritual journey and, you know, I asked you, you know, when did you start yours? And I think you said, you said college, right? Yeah. Yeah. So do you know what sparked that? Like what made you go down um, this path?
1: It was my dark night. I would say that what catapulted it would be what we call the dark night of the soul in the spiritual world. And it just means it is a time when your life, um, for better or for worse, it truly is for the better always, um, just brings you to a point where, you have no other option but to um, really find and search for who you are, and what that means is uh, people don't. People oftentimes can only learn through pain, and so I'll say that I was put through one of the most um, painful times for what serves my soul, A.K.A. the pain that you and I can go through can be exactly the same. Or sorry. The, the circumstance can be exactly the same, but the amount of pain we each feel might be very different. And so the pain that I needed for my soul to expand was self-compromise, the pain of self-compromise, and I would say the pain of heartbreak. And so once I had, once my soul went through both of those, it was able to basically empty out everything in my life because AKA I destroyed my life um and then i was able to build it up from there just start off with the clean empty slate if i had to say when did my spirituality journey begin i would say even as a kid i was always reading oprah's books for whatever reason in middle school and mm-hmm. like reading like uh there was like Mar- this like marley and me and bedside's st- like just very spiritual books mm-hmm. And I always, like, felt like such a weird kid wanting to. But it was really just because I just was trying to understand myself and why my mind was always so, like, racing and just asking so many questions. But, yeah. Um, but that's how it started. And if I had to get deeper into it, it's a it's a much longer story on the whole heartbreak thing. Mm-hmm. But um, I would say it was... It, it it just revolved around a lot of uh, self-compromise, which
0: yeah. Nice. So thank you for sharing that. Um, so you had the dark night of the soul. Um, next I kind of want to get into like, how did you heal? Um, through those instances. Um, you know I've, I follow you of course on instagram and i kind of see your journey you know you you talking about different things um i love like your nature like your hiking content um i want to be like you in that regard but um <laughs> <laughs> what has your healing journey been like mm.
1: i love the whys and i would say right now uh, this week a lot of the whys are like coming back to why has been super important. Like, why am I going back to work? Why, why am I deciding to kind of hit the corporate world again? And so even as like, I'm talking to my bosses, I'm asking them like, why, why do I need to do this? Why do I need to do that? And so Mm -hmm. I think, um, back to your question on like, how has my, what did my healing look like? I think we have to ask the question of what did I need to heal? And so what did I need to heal? I was able to identify that I needed to heal an abandonment wound based on my immigrant story. I needed to heal um, my lack of self-love wound. I needed to heal an insecure attachment style. Um, And I also wouldn't realize how long it would take because I think we can sometimes dive into these healing journeys and be like, in a month, if I just do all this work, it'll, I'm going to come on the other end. But it really was a process. Um, in looking back now, like even two years in, I thought I was like, oh, I've done all the work. No, I hadn't. Like I had only just started hitting the tip of the iceberg. But what did it look like? It's looked like um, yoga. It's looked like uh, talking to my shadow, a lot of shadow work. Um, childhood, uh, talk, talking to my childhood self, um, talk therapy. It's looked like fascial work where I release actual trauma from my body. Um, it's looked like EFT tapping where you actually tap on certain meridian points on your body and you get, you speak affirmations into your body. Um, what else? Uh, it's looked like nature therapy, nature therapy. <laughs> basically, I just did a, what would you say? Uh month trip into nature of where I was really able to let all the silence in of my whole life and just sit with absolute nothing. And it was able to bring forth more of my traumas um, in order for me to be able to face them and heal them. So those are some of the ways we can get more into any of them. But yeah.
0: Okay. I think a lot of these are very unique or not necessarily unique, but it's something that we, it's not really mainstream. Like when you think of healing, maybe someone thinks like going to therapy or something. Um, But you know, like some of the things you mentioned, I'm not even aware of it. Right. Um, And so one thing I do want to ask is how did you become aware that you needed healing? Because a lot of the times we aren't really that self-aware of ourselves. Um, A lot of times we are in denial as well. So like how did you become aware that you needed to work on um, like self-love or this abandonment wound?
1: I would say triggers. A lot of people think that triggers are about the other person but triggers are about you. And triggers have every way of showing you exactly where you need healing. Um, One time I was doing a meditation and it was a guided meditation. It was right before, it was in my Goldman Sachs days. But the reason why I bring that is because it was a very, uh, I attracted the place that kind of matched my energy and the team and this and that. But it's in the morning and literally, the guided meditation goes, tell yourself, I am loved, I am loved, I am loving. I, be- I didn't believe the- that sentence so much that I sobbed for about an hour as I told myself that. And when I brought my hand to my heart saying, I am loved, I am love, I am loving. That's a trigger. It- it's interesting to think that like a good thing can be a trigger too. Because your subconscious and your mind can be so in denial of like, I could tell myself, yeah, I love myself. But like when I was tapping into my subconscious and I told myself that, it was obvious that I, I did not believe it deep down. Anytime somebody triggers me, aka the person that quote unquote broke my heart, all she did was bring to the surface a lot of those deep-seated feelings Wounds that I had that which then were able to reflect back to me of like, this is somewhere where you need need to help yourself, because had I been in a secure attachment relationship, I mean, I see it with you and Kyle and this and that. There's still I mean, in every relationship, there's going to be like um, disagreements or this and that. But mm-hmm. really, it, it it's not going to be combative. And and that's what the type of relationship I was in, which was just showing back to me places where I needed to heal. So I would say some of the best healing ways is to be in relationship with another, whether, whether it's a friend, whether it's a partner, your family, they are showing you exactly where you can heal more um, and any trigger. I mean, people stuck in traffic, when they flip a switch and they start going crazy, that's a trick that that's your own reflection of what's going on inside of you. The traffic is basically the medium that's showing you, Hey, this is where you need to, you know, focus in and let's dig deeper on why a car going slower or maybe going faster is making certain emotions come up. And it's like, Mm. you know, but
0: yeah, so that's deep. I love that. And I do that with myself. Like I, I'm scrolling on um Facebook, and for the most part, I'm not really triggered by a lot, but lately, like the things that I've had been triggered about, I'm sitting down, and I'm asking myself like what about this makes me triggered, and yeah. I know what helps a lot with that is journaling it mm. um, like writing it down because you know we we go through so much during life that some things we kind of just forget about. And, you know, journaling just helps you become conscious of, um, actually where your mind is. And so I'm glad that you said your triggers because that is so important. Um, now I want to get more into the specific healing modalities, um, that you've been trying out. So I know you mentioned yoga, you mentioned fascia. I really want, am I saying it fascia?
1: Fascia, yeah. I I think honestly you could say it both ways, fascia or fascia, yeah.
0: Okay, I'm really interested in that. So like, I think everyone knows yoga. Um, That's kind of a a more popular um, modality, healing modality. But let's talk about what um, fascia is.
1: Yeah, so fascia is this integrative... Uh, not skeletal but it connects your organs to your muscles to your bones it is in every part of your face basically when somebody sees a structure of a human a lot of times you're like oh I'm seeing how much muscle they have oh I'm seeing how much like bone they have no it's actually your fascia that they're seeing everything right here in my face everything up here my the way like my my uh muscles quote unquote kind of show or don't show that is actually my fascia because what fascia um, holds is emotion and past trauma so there's this uh there's a few doctors I've studied Dr. Gabor Mate, Dr. Bercelli and I'll I'll talk about one story and basically, it's it's called the psoas muscle, but the psoas muscle is also in, integrated with the fascia. What Dr. Bertelli did once upon a time is he took a bunch of car accident victims and studied um, where they held the most energy post a car accident, and that was their psoas muscle. But well, what would happen is that they would constrict it so much, a.k.a. constrict their fascia so much, it would just end up tightening and those emotions would never be released. What he did is he found ways to release your psoas muscle. Dr. Gabor Mate defines trauma as not what happens to you, but what happens inside of you in response to the event that occurred and that you were put through. And so putting these two ideas together, all that's going on, within your body is a reflection of a lot of what you've gone through in life. Um, and so the way I work with fascia is, uh, here's another, another group I really follow. is called Human Garage. They have developed what are called fascial maneuvers. And these fascial maneuvers basically trigger your healing nervous system to naturally heal itself. Your body has everything it will ever need to naturally heal itself. As long as it is in a state of oneness and healing. And so you just kind of, there's a lot of twerking involved and I'm probably at some point going to release a whole series on fascia and this and that. But essentially if you can bring your body back to a state of oneness and telling it that it is safe and okay to heal It will do everything it needs to um, without you having to take a pill or take a, like a drug that you think is going to miraculously help you. Um, Yeah.
0: I love that. The fact that like we have everything um, that we need to heal ourselves, whether it's mentally, physically, um, emotionally. Emotionally. And you know, one thing I, I talk about all the time is we kind of, look for validation or answers outside of ourselves Um, but we're not aware that like a lot of things lie within ourselves and so I'm glad that you brought up that point so the purpose of this podcast is I'm really trying to shift the listeners their mindset from a mindset of scarcity to a mindset of abundance. So I want to ask you, um, first of all, what does a scarcity mindset look like? And then how can one shift from a mindset of scarcity to abundance and what does abundance look like? So.
1: Mm. See, and that's, so now when you ask somebody such an open-ended question of what does scarcity look like? You are digging into my subconscious. Um, because is it, is it going to be food? Is it going to be money? Is it going to be, um, I don't know, material wealth or whatever, but I, I, there's, I have two definitions now because I'll talk about what scarcity looked like for past Andy and what scarcity looks like for me now. I would say scarcity used to look like, like lack of money, um, not having material possessions, and um, honestly, that's what it looked like. What society makes us believe that scarcity is. If I had to tell you what scarcity is to me now, um, it, it would be. I think, and and that's the thing. I feel like I I I've, I've switched my brain so much that I I just don't believe in it. <laughs> like I'm just like. Mm, it doesn't exist because everything, everything that's available to me, I know I can make happen. But if, you know, um, so anyway, it's, the scarcity mindset is, is something as easy as like, you see somebody having something and you feel triggered because they have it. And you're like, wait, but, but abundance mindset is being happy for the person to have it. Scarcity mindset is, I can't afford that. Abundance mindset is, is is there's a way and there's a dimension that exists where I can easily have that. Um, scarcity mindset is, because somebody's succeeding in that, well, there's less room for me. Abundance mindset is there are limitless dimensions where we can both succeed and where we, where we will both succeed. Um, because the universe is just infinitely abundant. Um, and sometimes people actually, we've just been trained to believe that we've been trained in scarcity. It, that, that's, that's the reality we've been trained. We've been raised, um, and programmed to believe that there's not enough or that we have to compete with our neighbor um, when in reality that's it, not the truth what is it, can i can i ask what scarcity and abundance is to you
0: oh that's a, okay so <laughs> so um scarcity is just not having what you want and need in the moment that you want to need it and abundance is the complete opposite so having everything that you want and need when you want and need it. Um, And I'm glad you said that um, it's not more so about material possessions. It's, it's, it's a mindset. Like, like you said, like certain things may trigger us, like just scrolling on social media, you know, social media is very like, um, showy yeah. materialistic and you know a lot of people are just comparing themselves to each other and people don't realize that you know everything is within them so
1: hmm.
0: maybe a, i would say if if, if i went into the word abundance in a different way it's knowing that you have everything inside of you and not outside of you. Yes. Um, and that's just the matter of your own mindset and how you see reality. So that's how I would, <laughs> that's how I would describe it. I like that.
1: Um, and, the, uh, and the thought that comes up to that is even the abundance you see or the lack that you see is is also a reflection of what's inside of you. Right? Mm-hmm. Because that subconscious, I mean, you and I are talking about that book happy money right a lot of it is just yep um but anyway we also don't want to get too nitty-gritty but and it's a whole different topic so
0: definitely so you mentioned another like healing modality i think you said something about like a trigger point oh the eft tapping yes that can you explain that A little more, yeah. So interesting to me.
1: Yeah, so EFT tapping. um, You're working with the meridian points, Um, and the meridian points. I mean, you have actually hundreds throughout your body, but you're working with the main ones: your face, here in your chest, um, on your torso, and like on your hands. And so, what you do is you choose an affirmation, or you, and you also choose a limiting belief that you want to heal with this. For example, something is like what. What I did was during that uh, guided meditation I talked about with the "I am love, I am loved, I am loving," is basically a good foundation for what you can do with EFT tapping. And so basically, is what you're doing is you're telling, you're reprogramming yourself, your subconscious by tap, by using your hands to tap on certain meridian points. So, for example, I can just say, um, "Even though I don't feel loved," and then you tap for a little bit. I choose to accept that I am. And then you continue throughout until it, would, it could be two minutes, it could be five minutes, it could be 30 minutes. But basically you choose a limiting belief you have, and then you counter it with one that you want to replace it with. And the magic I have felt, I would say, it's like you don't feel it instantly. You're like, why am I tapping on myself like a weirdo? But like 30 minutes, 15 minutes after I do it, an endorphin high just happens. And I'm like, whoa, like it, it's an instant shift and it's almost like a release that has happened. Um, so I highly recommend that for people that just, you know, um, look up, look up tapping solution, look up EFT tapping. There's so many videos on this on YouTube. Um, and you, whether it's like I, the lack, it could be something about like, I am lack. I, I feel in lack. I feel not pretty. I, there's just so many, um, affirmations that people have created that you can do est tapping on and try one for two minutes and i think it, you'll you'll feel immediate shifts even like i feel sad today and like i feel sad today i choose to feel happy and it, it you'll feel huge shifts
0: i love it i'm thinking i'm gonna go try it after this Ooh, okay <laughs> <That's so interesting. laughs> i love like I love like new and unique ways of doing things like I don't know why I just love it like so that's kind of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on the show because you have some very unique like healing modalities that I haven't even heard of before and I'm someone like you say I'm always the one that's in the know that wants to be in the know and so you bring that unique perspective so I love that Um, One thing you mentioned was reprogramming your subconscious. So what does that mean to you and why is it so important?
1: Oh, yes. Um, Your subconscious. So the most important years, in my opinion, and from what I have read in a lot of, I would say, like, whether it's a medical journal, a spiritual journal, there is no question that zero through seven are some of the most programmed years of your life because in those years, all you are is emotion. What happens in those years, you typically don't remember because it is stored in your subconscious. But that is what you're operating out of about more than half of your life. Um, and so even though we can't remember it, we do have ways of knowing what happened because of the triggers that show up. For me, it has been, I would say one of the hardest ones has been healing an abandonment wound um, caused just by like the way I was, quote unquote, I had to be in a way abandoned for my family to come over to the US sort of thing. And so it's been like a long journey of trying to heal that abandonment wound. And so what I have to do is I have to tap into a certain brain wavelength where I'm able to reprogram my subconscious and tell my, I would say, inner knowing that I am safe. The ways I have done this is through meditation, again, through releasing trauma, fascia, EFT tapping, um, but a lot of meditation and a lot of bringing um, what you call trauma, I mean, sacral energy, actually, where a lot of like trauma is stored, up into my pineal gland. This is getting very technical now, but basically is what you're doing is you're telling your brain, release, <laughs> release the trauma, and then as you're doing that, you're also creating visualizations of abundance to kind of infuse your orb and change your energy. It really, I mean, if I had to put it in one sentence, reprogramming your subconscious, as Dr. Joe Dispenza says, is you change your energy and then you change your life because your subconscious is the energy that you're giving off and that you are holding. Um, So.
0: Definitely. So I definitely read the, I'm pretty sure we're into the same type of readings and you know, I have a two year old and it just made me even more conscious of just even the little things like, the things I say, even if it's not directed towards her, you know, how it can affect her, you know, even my own mood, you know, I even, she's a toddler, first of all, so she has tantrums, right? And, you know, as a parent, you know, you kind of get irritated a little bit, yeah. I've gotten really good at (laughs) I've got it, and I know you have, like, uh, I know you have uh, God God, children, uh, yeah. God children, right? Um, But you know, for me, I'm like, I have to be calm um, when she's having these tantrums because, you know, of course, one, what it, good would it do if we're both irritated? And two, I understand that, you know, although we can't see it, she is looking at me on how to respond in in chaos. Right? Yes, yes. And if I'm if I'm showing her like oh, I'm getting irritated. She's going to pick up on that. So i am becoming very deliberate about, you know, what I'm saying, my mood, um, and just everything, um, just being, it's called conscious parenting. <laughs> um, Beautiful. and so I've been very deliberate about what I'm doing because I know this zero to seven years is very important. Even in pregnancy, I tell people all the time, like even in pregnancy, it starts yep. during pregnancy, yep. um, like the stuff you go through, the child is going through it as well. And it will, or, it you know, it's going to manifest, you know, later in their life. And they don't even know what, um, why they won't know what it came, where it came from. Um, but like you said, we can be aware of it through our triggers. Like what is, what is triggering this? And we not, may not know what it, where it comes from, but we know it's a trigger and we know that it's something that we can work on. Yep. So that is very important for anyone who has children who has got children nieces nephews just be aware that like that zero to seven years is very very important um to how they will be as an adult because us as an adult um we are now trying to reprogram our subconscious and don't get me wrong we all we will always have stuff that we need to work on, you know. Yeah. I like to say life is a life is a journey and not a destination. So, um we will always have things to work on, but you know, if you do want to minimize the trauma, um just be aware of that, you know, when you are around kids or when you do have kids. So, um next thing I want to talk about is you mentioned self-love. I'm hitting you all these questions, Sandy, sorry. Mm. <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned self-love. So I think this is something that people talk about all the time, but I don't think people really know what it is. And honestly, me, I think I know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um but I want to hear what I feel like you have more um more experience with this. So what what actually is self-love? What does it look like and what does it mean to you? And why is it important?
1: If, if if my ex should ever listen to this, I didn't say it, but I did say it. The reason why I know what self-love is is because I was taken to a point where I was able to learn everything that self-love is not. I think self-love, to find self-love, you have to know yourself. Unfortunately, the way society works, I've realized and I'm coming to this conclusion there's really never a point where society allows someone to actually to get to know themselves. They go zero through 18, nine to five, nine to six, high school. After that, drill them down, burn them out in college while we, you know, what excuse that binge drinking and this and that is going to be their fun. And, you know, put, put them out in the cornfield or put them out in some city college and, Just distract them with a bunch of other things. And then right after that, dump them into society and make them work again. Nine to nine, nine to ten, 13-hour days. And at what point were they literally asked, like, who are you? What do you feel? Have you ever dealt with an an emotion? What do you value? How many people know what what their values are? I feel like sometimes I meet new people and it's not even for the sake of... uh, Asking deep questions, but it's just the questions that I'm interested in, and I'll just ask them like, What are your values and more often than not, they're just so stumped they're like, What and it's like yeah what are, what are your values what are your life values it, They've never asked themselves that, and so they 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 they're like but what that triggers is like what's important to me not what the not what did society say is important to me, but what is important to me' And so now that you, so I think the first step is knowing yourself. The next step, if I had to define it for what, on on my journey, is after that I was able to set boundaries on how I was going to uh, maintain that self-love. Um, and a lot of it is honestly intuition. I kind of just, it's kind of like a... I don't know. I, I just kind of feel the energy of any event I want to participate in. And if there's any resounding energy, I'm like, okay, I don't belong there. Um, it's, it, it's, it's not self-compromising. I know that self-love is not self-compromising. Um, although in relationships, there is compromise. And I think self-love is also... It's not even easy, right? I think some people think that self-love is staying in your comfort. It's not at all. I think there's more self-love in having hard conversations and going through the journey of life. Mm, What else is self-love? Self-love for me has also been mm, making hard decisions. I know that I can love others better. Because my nervous system is pretty sensitive, when I take solitude, it's not personal, it's just like, if you want to have the best Andy in your life, you need to respect my solitude, because my nervous system is very sensitive, but I will come to you at 100% if you allow me the space. And so, I'll just go back to rooting in self-love, is knowing yourself, and giving yourself the ability to know yourself. And I know it's hard, and I know it's hard to make that time for a lot of people because life is so busy. But you're only given one life, and to come to the end of your life and think, I didn't even get to discover who I was, I think is even sadder. And it is, is, is an even harder truth to, to swallow than the difficulty you would have had to go through to get to know yourself. What do you think self-love is to you?
0: Wow. So self-love to me is really just acceptance of every part of myself. Um, you know, when I just think about like self-love, it's like unconditional love. It's acceptance. It's acceptance of the bad, the good, the ugly, the beautiful. Just yeah. Of everything. Every part of yourself is what self-love is to me. Um, but, you know, like you said you know, a lot of times we, we don't know ourselves, we don't know what that is. And I'm glad you you brought up that point, because I've been on a like the last what is this October? So yes, I've been on like a 10 month introspection journey.
1: Yeah.
0: And I don't think I've ever would have been on this journey if I did not quit my job. You know, like you said, like they keep us busy for a reason, and. I've really gotten to know myself like I know what I want. It's like I know these things. Like I kind of know what I want, but it's like do I really want that because you kind of have all this outside noise. Yeah. But as I've been on this introspection journey, some things have been confirmed for me. Like I know I love my freedom. Um I know that I love to I love to read. I love knowledge. Um I love to be different. Um, and I just love to be authentic, like I love to be myself, and so, like you said, that awareness piece is very, very important. Um, but yeah, I think it starts with that introspection. You know, I'm going to talk about this, and actually, in the next episode, you know, how to find your purpose, hmm. um, how to pinpoint your strengths, your weaknesses, your gifts, you know, how you can use those gifts. Um, to better serve yourself, your family, um, society, and just overall be fulfilled. So, thank you for mentioning that.
1: If I could um, add, I all then... add. If I could add one tidbit right here, if anybody's listening, mm-hmm. I would, I would give you a little task, and if I just ask yourself two questions: Define three of your values, and. If you had all the time in the world, a.k.a. our most, in my opinion, (laughs) our most valuable asset, what would you do with that time? And just uh, that that might tell you, like, where your values are, one, or it might also lead you to what actually calls to you. But anyway, sorry.
0: (laughs) That's okay. So. Um, I want to get a little bit and we're going to wrap up, but just lastly, um, you know, I created this podcast because yes, we're talking about like very serious topics, but mm. I also don't want it to be so serious because, you know, and this is my own personal journey that I know I need to work on. I'm very serious. This, I know this because I did the, I did the work. I did the introspection work and I'm very serious. And, you know, one of the reasons why we're here on earth is to create and to have fun and yeah. to experience life and so what has that been like for you like what are you creating you know what do you do to have fun um, and I know I don't I know you talked about this before but like how have you manifested that reality for yourself as well mm.
1: I had to define my values first. So family, friends, and freedom, <laughs> the three Fs, that those are relationship, like relationships and my time are two of just what I will never take for granted. But how do I create, Is the question is how do I create fun in my life, would you say, or how have I created abundance in my life?
0: how have you created fun in your life like hmm so for example this podcast right yeah I found myself I know it's something that I've been called to it's my purpose like to speak and share the knowledge that I have but I don't want to find myself being too serious about it um Mm. and so I wanted to make this fun um and so with your own calling you know how do you make it fun for you you know um go ahead i get it okay
1: yeah i don't take myself too seriously like um (laughs) funny like any any crazy thing that like some like i find through knowledge and i'm like this might work let's try it out maybe it will maybe it won't and funny that this is even here for example i carried i've carried this teddy bear around wherever i go this is this represents my inner child that's it that's plainly put like i look it's funny because i just spent about like i said a month on a trail just walking it was more normal for me to carry this bear out there than it is in normal society i pull this bear out at a coffee shop and the amount of eyes i get They think (laughs) I, I think they, they really think I have like a screw missing, but I'm just out here healing my inner child and low key laughing. Like in another way, I, so in another way is the amount Sandy talks about herself in third person. I don't think I've ever met anyone else that does it as much as I do. (laughs) I just am constantly kind of, um, zooming out in my life. Like, for example, today I started cackling because I was like I am some form of flesh just typing away at this piece of plastic on earth <laughs> <laughs> for no other reason than what. So I think just holding things lightly helps you really laugh at yourself and keep things light. Um, and thankfully I think also my godchildren they children in general uh, have such a deep deep and special place in my heart having them around you can't take them things seriously like these these kids scream like banshees at literally a, a lego being taken away from them and it makes me laugh because I'm like the fact that a little body can create that type of noise I'm like you can't take it seriously I'm like, that's the noise I wish I could make sometimes that was more societally acceptable. But if I did, they would think they would tie me up and take me away. But like, <laughs> yeah, I, I would say those are a few of the ways. Like I just, I would say that I hold things very loosely these days and I try to, the less control I can have, the the better I feel, honestly, because, and the, the less, the more I can tell myself, like you're in no control, the better I feel. Because we're not. Though we are, though we're not. But how would you say you continue to have fun in your life?
0: Yeah, so I laugh at everything. Even stuff I'm not supposed to laugh at. Yes! yes. <laughs> Some things, like, I'm ashamed to say what I laugh at. And, it's, of course, it's not from a place of, you know, ill will. It's just, no. it's just funny to me. Like, it's just you have to laugh sometimes at stuff because... Like you said, we take everything too seriously and we're here to have fun. We're here to create our reality um, and we're here to evolve. And so I laugh at everything <laughs> like I but I also know that, you know, it's also something that I need to work. on. I just know from my own introspection journey, like having fun is something that I need to work on. So I wanted to get that knowledge from you. So thank you for that. You know, I may take the, the teddy bear idea. And walk around the teddy bear that represents my inner child, but um, my daughter definitely is bringing that that side out of me. So um, yeah. she's definitely bringing that side out of me because I'm just looking at her as like she doesn't care about the stuff that we care about. Yeah, and if she does, it's like she has that tantrum, and then you know five minutes later, it's like nothing happened. You know, so it's like she doesn't carry you know anything with her, and I, I love yeah. that about her. And I'm learning so much. Um, But, you know, just to wrap up, um, I want to ask you one final question. If there is any advice that you can give someone that is listening to this podcast, what would it be? All right. Advice. Just advice. Interesting.
1: Um. I think for today, I would say that there is so much noise in this world. And if you could just, if we could all just learn to trust ourselves versus even our parents, even our friends. If we went to ourselves more before we consulted by party, I think we would find that we already know every truth that we need to know. And if we just trusted it, the more you trust it and the more you keep following it. Do a little test with yourself sometimes, like, hey, I'm going to do this because I'm going to follow my intuition, and I have yet to be proven wrong when I have followed my intuition. So, tune in. I love you. Some- I need- I some- what about you, Alexis? I want to learn something from you. What's something you would leave people with today?
0: I don't want to copy off of you, but I would say the same thing. I would say, like, the answers are all within you. Um, you just have to do that work, spend some time with yourself, um, find out what you like, write those three values down, like Sandy said, and, yeah, all the answers are within you. Yay. Um. <laughs> so... Um, this concludes the episode um, I would like to thank you all for listening and I would like to express my deepest gratitude for you Sandy for coming on here and giving your knowledge and walking through your own spiritual slash healing journey and um, I encourage the listeners <laughs> to stay tuned for next week's episode because like I said before we are going to talk about you know how to find your purpose. And how you can use that to contribute to the world and contribute to yourself, most importantly. So um, thank you all for listening. Again, Sandy, thank you for coming on. And we will see you all next week. Thank you, Alexis. Thank you. All right.
1: Bye.